When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Totally live. Definitely a live show here on the BWI YouTube channel. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Hey, everybody. Um, so practice and, and, and camp this year, Greg, has been crazy. Yes. Um, normally, Penn State is a very structured program, and I'm sure that their structure is, is absolutely fine. Um, but the way things have been going for camp, we normally have a schedule, and we normally stick to that schedule. Like clockwork for years, it's been... Things happen on Wednesdays, yep. and we talk about them on Thursdays. Saturday, there was an open scrimmage for the first time that under James Franklin that I've ever seen, and uh, now practice availability is Monday night. And uh, I'm off Monday because I wasn't expecting there to be anything going on Monday. So here we are, definitely totally live with you, 10 a.m. on YouTube. Um, so, Greg, how you doing today? How, how are you holding up? T. Frank, I want to point something out, and I think you could appreciate this, but when you talk about the structure of practice, so a lot of people always ask, what is practice like? What do you see at practice? What do you do at practice? This was, as far as I'm concerned, it may be yours as well, I believe, our first chance to see a whole practice. And guess yeah. what? It is very structured. And yes. I think you can probably talk more about that. But people always say, what is practice like? What is practice like? And guess what? It looks very much like any football practice you would see from peewees to the pros. Looks a lot like this. You know, what we see during practice, like, I, I promise we're not hiding the good stuff week to week. <laughs> yeah, right. This is, this is, you know, they go through positional drills. These, all of these are fundamentals for, hey, that's a play action. Get back to your, dr drop into your zone and go catch the football. Undercut a route and catch a football. Like, they're practicing these things so that they happen like second nature but it's not the most interesting thing to see. And of course, you know, what we did get to see was we did one of the things that we got to see for the first time ever is the actual scrimmage part where they, they go head to head. They had the ones versus the ones, the twos versus the twos, the ones versus the twos. And of course, like we weren't allowed to film that part of practice. So, uh, but the majority of what practice is, is special teams, positional drills, and then a couple of like offensive skeletons. And, and I think the one thing we really didn't see is like seven on seven. Which is, yep. you know, you're not going to scrimmage and do seven on seven at the same time. So if you check out our weekly practice highlights, what we get to see, the availability that we get is that's the majority of practice. Like, so you're absolutely right about that. And and, uh, you know, just when it happens is, is the difference so far uh, this year during Penn State's training camp. Yeah, it really is, T. Frank. And as you know, you wrote a story at BlueIllustrate.com. Nate did. I did as well. And we covered really everything that we could film and could not film. But, yeah, that's the funny part to me, T. Frank, is that there is this perception that Penn State football practice is something that is secretive and 
upper level and you know blah 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 but no it's really just what if you're watching on youtube just what you're watching right now it is very fundamental based it is very you know positional based and there are some team periods there are some special teams periods but at the end of the day you saw t frank and you've seen him before and so have i but it is very much uh, very fundamental focused, and that's what most yes. of these practices are. But I will say this, T. Frank, I thought it was very cool that Penn State opened up a practice to fans. And unfortunately, the rain really kind of took away from the fan environment because there was a kid zone, there were food trucks, there were things like yeah. that. But um, if it wasn't for the rain, I think it would have been better attended. But there were still hundreds of people there. And I really do think that this is a concept that will work for Penn State going forward. You know, James Franklin talked at uh, Penn State Media Day about the fact that he wanted it to feel like a NFL training camp. And I know you've been to him, T. Frank. I have as well. And yeah. it did really have that kind of a feel. Yeah, it had a big time football feel like football's back. You know, they they have, by the way, they installed a new sound system, which is great. Um, you know, just these little things that we've talked about of like upgrading the football facility and some of the things like they, they affect even us when we're at practice because normally the speakers are on ground <laughs> level and they're very one directional and they're right in your ear. They actually Frank, this is the point where you tell people your highlight videos are voiced over because if they had the audio on with where we were, yes. you couldn't hear anything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And they would be demonetized. Like YouTube is very serious about music <laughs> and people having their rights. So like the reason that we don't have the natural sound other than this week is uh, usually there's music. There's very loud music simulating the environment that they're going to be playing in. Yep. So like all these little things that we're talking about here that may not sound a lot like football, these are very football things like the the sound, the environment. And and I was really impressed with, uh, like you said, the the vibe they had going at practice because it, it did. It had that training camp feel. It had kind of a high school football feel. And James Franklin had said they wanted to do it down at State High right. so they could have more bleachers and they could have more people around. But the the situation didn't work with the renovation at uh, at the state high field downtown. Yep. So this was you know other than a little cramped and and the the bleachers were pretty close to the sideline. I mean, it felt like a very much more open than I was expecting. Greg, the only thing I was thinking, Frank, seriously. is. They do take they, that privacy seriously, and it yep. felt like this was a, a big step for, for Penn State to kind of open up the doors a little bit. The one thing I would say to you, Frank, is was that the quietest Penn State practice you've ever been to? Uh, Yes. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I know we usually only get like somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes, and it may be just that team period, but I would say that was the quietest Penn State practice we've ever been to. You could hear everything, and it was great right. because I could, I could hear corrections for players during the scrimmage. Um, so it was a, uh, the, the one thing I would say is that you're right. The rain had an effect on both the practice and the fans, but I want to give credit to the fans because probably Me up too. until the end of the scrimmage where they were going threes on threes, I don't think many people left. Like there was a, a no. st it, it was a steady driving rain and fans sat there and watched Penn State practice. And I thought that was super cool that those – I just want to give a shout-out to those dedicated fans because, Greg, I know yep. you were out there in the rain, but I did not take my camera out in the rain. This camera that I'm looking in right now is my only camera. So there's no show and there's no highlights if that camera is damaged and there's no replacing it. So I was not going to go outside with my camera. Also, I was hanging out with Nate, and we were watching from from the doors. But the I was going to say that's only because I went out there because our good buddy BWI senior writer Nate Bauer went and got an umbrella out of his car 
And then I walk out with it to watch from elsewhere. And you guys were hanging out inside. But, you know, I would say this. For what Penn State did for that open practice, Steve Frank, they really made it for the fans. And and I will say that because we usually get a certain period of practice, the media, and we see positional drills and fundamentals and things like that. Very important things, obviously, for a football program. But if you were a fan and you came out to that thing and if the weather, uh, you know, made you not want to come, I would highly advise if they have it next year and the weather is better to come because yeah. they if you were a fan there and you could obviously not record anything or take any photographs, but you got to see what a true Penn state football practice looks like. We yeah. don't see that T Frank. We see bits and pieces and then we do interviews afterwards. But if you ever went to an NFL training camp or, or something similar, uh, or high school practice, which is, you know, uh, not quite the same, but on the same line, um, they really did a nice job. I thought of, showing the fans exactly what a practice looks like and yeah. also showing them, you know, our uh, linebackers are over here. Our special team stuff is over here. Our yeah. offensive line is over here. Our quarterbacks and receivers are over there. And I think that's important because I think fans a lot of times, and even us in the media think that, you know, well, it's this, you know, highly structured, they discriminate the whole time. Right. Yeah. I think that, uh, yeah. I think that's the uh, it's all I mean, it's all Oklahoma drills and it's right. all seven on seven yes. and everyone's hitting each other in the face the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And if you were able if you're fortunate enough to be able to attend that or if you want to attend it next year, if they have it again, I think you saw what a true college football practice looks like. And I think that's instructive because it is a lot of teaching. You saw Manny, T. Frank and I were hanging around for a bit. You saw Manny Diaz teaching the linebackers. You saw Dion Barnes teaching the defensive line. Uh, the offensive guys were a little bit further away from where we were allowed to be. But yep. you, if you were down that way, you could see Phil Troutline with the offensive line or Mike Yerses with the quarterbacks. And it's, I think it's a really neat thing, and I know why James Franklin said that they haven't been able to do it before because they couldn't all get on the same page, in his words, of doing it in terms of the coordinators. But I think it's really instructive to show fans, T. Frank, what it looks like, what a real practice is like, and also what they accomplish. Like we saw, if you were there, you saw about what, like an hour and a half, almost two hours of scrimmage. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. you don't, that's not a typical practice, right? Like there, there's a lot of uh, seven yeah. on seven stuff that goes on and things like that. But if you were able to go out there last night, you saw that. And, uh, or I'm sorry, Saturday night, um, you saw that. And so, uh, but I think the big thing is that there's a lot of stuff that goes on at practice that is very basic and fundamental and that you wouldn't think goes on, but it does. And that yeah. is why when they get to game day, they're able, you know, you hear James Franklin talk all the time about not thinking, but playing and all the stuff that goes on this month and in spring practice is why they're able to do that. Yeah. And I, that's a, that's a really great way to set the scene for what we saw on uh, Saturday night. And we're going to get into some of that, but I did, I did think it was important and I, it was good that we went over like what the, the, this initial reaction to this was not necessarily jumping in right into plays that we saw and describing things that we saw on the football field, but also like what it was like. And I think that's, that's right. uh, a great thing to do. We got to get to this quickly. Uh, and I shouldn't say quickly because they are the sponsor of the show and they deserve <laughs> their time here on the show. And that is alum lodge brand new sponsor here on the show. Want to make sure that, you know, the best places to stay when you come to watch Penn State football, not the open practice, the stuff that they're using to get ready for West Virginia. So if you want to book a stay, uh, at a premium location, you're coming, you're spending the weekend, 
RVs aren't your style. You want something that is attached to the ground. You and I think the same way. Uh, yep. Airbnb, great. Yeah? Yep. Uh-huh. What about having an entire house with a concierge staff? AlumLodge.com strives to deliver customized service that meets unique needs of each guest stay so they'll return time and time again. This could be your home away from home in Happy Valley. Prepare, shop, and arrange the home for the specifications that you want. There's a bunch of different locations in, Bel in Belfont, uh, Park Forest, close to Beaver Stadium. They got some stuff in Toff Trees as well. Uh, and the one that they have here that they're showcasing on the website, which you can see, is, uh, is this beautiful, literally a horse farm where you can go stay in the country, uh, be in the T. Frank neck of the woods. Uh, not that I live near this place. That's not what I'm saying, but this is, this is my style of place to live. Have a little bit of land around you, play some cornhole, and then go over to the stadium. Check out alumlodge.com because they can get you just, that's a picturesque location. You drive in Friday night, you have a campfire, maybe you got a tin cup of something, and uh, you talk to your friends, you invite people over, six people can stay in the house. Um, it's a beautiful, large house. You can check it out again at alumlodge.com. So don't wait. Book your stay now. Reserve your spaces because a house is not a hotel. There is one of them. So call 814-424-3266 to book or pre-book listings that are not yet on the site. And that's the thing that I'm actually, uh, I was curious about because I've been looking at this and I'm like, I only see one of the houses. Not all the houses are on the site yet. So you got to call to make sure that you can uh, get the, the lodging that you want. So I'll give you that number yep. again, alumlodge.com, 814-424-3266. Greg, let's get into some of the things that we saw because sure. when, when I talk about like, oh, I want to see X, Y, and Z, I want to know about X, Y, and Z, some of our bigger observations, some of the more, I would say, important things, those are going to stay over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. We found out a lot of stuff about the third down defense, which I have been uh, talking a lot about, analyzing a lot. I made an awkward joke with Chop Robinson asking if he could just tell me who was on third down uh, on on uh, last Thursday. And now we found out. So bluewhiteillustrated.com for that stuff. But let's go through some players that stood out to you. Who was somebody that stood out during the practice that you think um, you know popped off the, off the uh, field to you when you were watching? Yeah, I'll be curious to see what you think about this, because one guy that we saw a lot of that we have never seen before in a blue and white uniform is Trey Potts and yep. the Penn State running back. Obviously, Penn State knows what it has in Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, but uh, Trey Potts had a lot of reps last night, and I thought he looked – remember when J. Ron Sider said in June that they changed his body a little bit? They changed his style a little bit, and obviously mm -hmm. they know what Kirk Scirocco wanted and that Minnesota offense wanted, and they know what they want. And I thought he was a little bit slimmed down. He was – look, uh, someone said something on the message board the other day because I think I described it as a third and short back, but yeah. third and two – He's going to run right through the hole. And we saw yep. that T Frank multiple times last night. He is a guy that is willing to go into put his helmet down and just put his pads up and run right through it. And I thought we saw that last night. So yeah. I think that Penn state got a guy out of the transfer portal in him that is not going to, he's not going to take reps away from Nick Singleton and K Tron out. They're too good. They're too explosive. They're this or that. They're the other thing, but there's always a role for a third running back. And I believe the third running back last year was Kevon Lee had, or I think it was Kevon Lee. Yeah. 25 carries. I think Trey Potts will probably double that this year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a reason for that is because you can put him in there. I'm not saying it's always going to be third and short, maybe second and short, maybe, uh, you know, whatever fourth and one, whatever it may be. 
But yeah. I got the sense, Frank, last night that he's a guy that's going to put his head down and run right through the middle of the line, run between the tackles. And, uh, you know, he fumbled once, and that's it is what it is. It was a wet night, rainy night. Yeah. So what? But uh, I really was impressed by him seeing him in Penn State pads for the first time. Yeah, so the fumbles were something that stuck out to me. And and once again, in the rain, some people were making the comparison to Northwestern, that game from last year. Now, this wasn't a literal hurricane, but there were tornado warnings uh, before the practice. <laughs> yeah. So we weren't devoid completely of extreme weather on Saturday night. But yeah, the, the thing I'm a little concerned about is, again, Nick Singleton fumbled in the rain. Right. Uh, I'm not going to say this is a problem. But I'm definitely going to be watching Nick Singleton's ball sure. security. And I think a lot of people, even from last year, that is something you could take away from from areas he needed to improve. And, uh, you know, I think that it's, again, any one practice, you look at it, it's premature to say that's going to be a problem. But if that was something that's happening on a regular basis in practice, which I think we would have heard about at this point, that would be an issue. But um, I think the other thing, so Penn State typically comes into – games with a plan of like what's the rotation and, and running backs go by series so yep. I think he can take a lot of series in the Northwestern game I think he can take a lot of series in the UMass game Delaware um, even West Virginia like he can be a guy that that is a valuable it's the second quarter you've run Nick Singleton six times uh, in the first two drives now you throw in Trey Potts make sure everyone's fresh because Nick Singleton also going to be on kickoff surprise uh, just from everything that we've heard and everything that uh, they've talked about, I think it's a realistic thing to think that Nick Singleton is going to be, you know, taking kicks back too. So you you want to get some of those valuable reps, f two pots, and get them off those those top two guys, which we saw. Uh, the the defense was the story of the day. We'll talk about the. Tiffany, can we go back real quick? The, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. So two things I want to point out. Number one, I think Trey Potts is the kind of guy that you throw at Illinois in the fourth quarter and say, we're going to grind you out if we need to. But yeah. there was a point you made on the Lions Den message board, which, of course, is a premium part of our Blue White Illustrated subscription about where Penn State's offense was working during the early part of practice and yep. then the middle yeah. part of the scrimmage and then the late part. I think that's important for fans to know, too, because I think there was a lot of stuff on social media here, there, anywhere that talked about what the offense was doing. Well, they were situational, and I don't know yes. if enough people realize that. Yeah, they were backed up, so they were working on backed up at the goal line. So the offense is coming out trying not to get a safety. Yep. And the defense has the advantage of the rain, and they're in a critical <laughs> that, situation. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're backed up. So they were not like in the middle of the field having the full field to work with and, and playing with space and time and all yep. of those things. Everything was fast for the quarterbacks on, on Saturday night. Now, when they did get to the middle of the field, the offense had a little more success, but the defense yep. still was the just they were they were lights out um yep. the people kept asking like what's wrong with the offensive line and full disclosure is like we were standing 60 yards away i was literally doing this with my hands so that i could like make fake binoculars i couldn't see what was happening during the car crash of the offensive and defensive line you see flashes of of numbers and you see things like that um but guys on the defense the defensive line as a whole that unit in in whole as a whole they were the dominant force in the yep. practice, the run game, Jordan Vandenberg had multiple plays in the backfield. Adisa Isaac was in the backfield. Denied Dennis Sutton, Amin Vanover, all those guys. They they rolled two and a half deep on the defensive line on Saturday where they were the second team defense and the second yep. team defensive line was taking it to the Penn State offense. So um, when we talk about the depth of this team and the optimism of that, like the young depth on the offensive line is coming along. There's no doubt about that. 
but the depth is on defense where you've got like right. linebackers, safeties, corners. You have so much talent on that side of the football, and it showed up. You know, it showed up in a big way. Um, is there anybody else you want to highlight? Uh, I've got a couple on my list, but I want to make sure that, you know, we get to some of yours before I talk for 20 minutes. <laughs> I'll let you talk for 25. I don't care. <laughs> no, when I look at this team overall, I thought one of the things that stood out was it was a practice built for the defense, right? Yeah. Because the rain was a problem and the conditions, the, the way they kept running things were not great. Keep in mind, Malik Mega made the catch of the session outside of Trey Wallace uh, catching one down. But uh, Malik Mega made a catch down the sideline that would have given the Penn State offense first and goal in the scrimmage. And they allowed that, and then they moved them back because they were working on third down stuff, and that was a second yeah. down catch. And so they took them right back to where they started. Or they may have moved the ball a little bit, but this was a position or a field position-focused practice. So I think some of the stuff that's coming out about the offense is – it's not misguided, but yeah, and they didn't make, look. They didn't make very many good plays. Let's just be honest. I mean, they, they weren't were sharp. They, yeah, no. So the I one that I just say they weren't very sharp. No, you wrote it. I wrote it. There's not much that we can really point to, but I will say that catch that Mega made down the sideline on a Drew Aller throw was tremendous, and it should have set up first and goal. And instead, <laughs> they went right back to where they started and started yeah. third down because that was what they, they were working on, um, which is fine. But the point being is that, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there right now about the offense being this, that, the other thing. And the defense dominate. It's supposed to be a top five, maybe top defense in the country. It should. Uh, yeah. But I think that's worth noting. Anyway, guys, it stood out to me. Uh, I know you wrote about it, but London Montgomery caught my eye. The uh, Pennsylvania native. Yeah, Pennsylvania native freshman running back who's coming off an ACL injury. Uh, he looked the part to me. I thought he did some things that I personally wasn't expecting based on where he is expected to be on his recovery timeline. So he yeah. caught my eye. I know you loved King Mac, the safety uh, out of Florida. Yeah. I really thought he did some nice things too. And then when you look at the depth of the offensive line, uh, you know, there's just so many guys they cycle through there. And we're did just you not used to – could you pick anything? You were a little. You had a different angle. You might have been a little bit closer than us. Could you pick anything out individually of like offensive linemen that stood out in a positive way? Were there guys that had good pass protection sets? And because I was focused on the secondary, like I'll just be honest, I was watching the pass patterns. I wanted to see what the safety uh, situation and rotation was because that helps me inform what the quarterback is supposed to do. So I wasn't really watching the offense or defensive line on pass play. So were there guys that stood out to you up front? Um, that that had good nights that maybe we didn't talk about. Um, I don't know if I would say that in terms of diving in on one guy or another. I think that okay. again, it was a tough night for the offensive line because the offense kind of just struggled as a whole. Some of that was rain related, and I would sure if you went back and watched the film with Filter Outline and Mike Yersich, James Franklin, whomever, I'm sure you would find Ty Howe. Uh, I'm sure you'd find some pretty positive things, but just watching it all in one, you know, big batch of things, uh, not really. You know, I thought one guy that jumped out to me that was Sal Warmly, and we know he's okay. fighting to be a starter for Penn State, and is not a, not. A, I shouldn't even say fighting; he is very likely going to be a starter for Penn State at guard uh, yeah. during the 2023 season. And I thought he did a lot of nice things that showed that he is comfortable in the position he is in. And he is ready to take advantage of the reps that he is going to have. So he was one guy that I kept going back to when I would watch when they put the ones in or if he mixed in with the twos, whatever it was. I thought he did a lot of nice things. And then, you know, 
we talk a lot about the center position, right? And we we know that Hunter Norzad is going to be the guy, but I thought Nick Dawkins had a lot of nice reps as the backup center from what we got to watch. T Frank, I really did. And I think that I, there's some Penn state fans out there on the lines and message board and elsewhere that are maybe a little bit concerned about what, well, what happens if, you know, Hunter Norzad would get hurt. Cause it's part of the game, right? It uh, is a lot 100%. of them that I've talked to don't aren't comfortable with Norzad as the, as the starting center, because he was injured last year and he played through it and didn't look like a good football player. So like, right. yeah, the center position I think is a big concern for a lot of fans, maybe more so than it should be. Uh, yeah. I, well, again, injuries are a part of the game, right? And it yeah. only takes one to totally derail things. I mean, think if, uh, Oh, went out or think if, I mean, you, you can go down the list and yeah. talk about possible injuries that could derail this team on offense. Uh, in 2023 but I do think that Nick Dawkins showed some things last night that were encouraging obviously uh, uh Vega Ioni could I have never pronounced his name right Iwani I, I know you know it you got it so this is the thing is uh, from when when I read it and what I heard when I got an audio recording from you where he pronounced it Vega Iwane yeah and no one no one pronounces it that way and I haven't right. asked him specifically so I your guess we're is gonna go with that line yeah. Yeah. We're going to go with guess, that. But I'm, everyone calls him yeah. Venga. And I'm like, where's the N? I, I don't understand. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. A fun story about that. I talked to him at the Rose Bowl and he said that his full is Vega is his uh, abbreviated name. Yeah. And if you would actually pronounce his full name, that's where the N comes from. So I learned uh, that as well. Um, okay. All right. Yes. Uh, Cause I remember there were a lot of talk about when James Franklin started calling like late November, when he was asking press conferences, they were asked about that and people were like, well, where's the end? But apparently that's where it's come from. Anyway, um, he can play low center, uh, but Nick Dawkins and Hunter Norris, I think they're okay at center. I really do. Yeah. And I know that you, you make a great point that a lot of Penn state fans are a little bit concerned about the fact that Hunter Norzad has, and maybe could in the future play through injury, but any guy could do that, you know, yeah. whether it's offensive line, receiver, running back, tight end, linebacker, whatever. Uh, so I think that the key, though, is that when you look at that position, I don't feel like it is much of a concern as maybe some fans had. And I certainly had, too. I was wondering, you know, I remember listening to Duke Struggs at Rose Bowl Media Day, and he was like, yeah, you guys are not you're not going to believe what Hunter Norzad can do, this, that, and the other thing. And sometimes you think to yourself, well, what, what else are you going to say? He's yeah. not going to stand at Rose Bowl Media Day and say, oh, yeah, the guy replacing me stinks, right? Um, yeah. But when I listened to him, listened to Yurisich, listened to Troutwine, and then watched practice in the spring, and then also recently, I think Norzad's going to be fine. But if there was ever an injury situation, I'm not saying uh, Nick Dawkins is ready to completely replace him, but I like what I saw. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. Um, we're going to get to the quarterbacks. It's 26 minutes in. It is a cardinal sin that we haven't talked about the quarterbacks specifically. Uh, how many but, uh, how many highlights do you have of them from last night, T or uh, Saturday night, T Frank? Zero. I have zero <laughs> photos. I have zero <laughs> pictures of Drew Aller throwing any sort of football. But what I do have is I do have an invitation for our fans to go to the season opener. Go to the best. Most exciting atmosphere in college football with Ticksman Jim. Have you been looking for a reliable source of Penn State football tickets? Jim at TicksmanJim.com, formerly PSUTicksman.com, has been running his ticket exchange in Wilmington, Delaware for over 25 years. Every buyer handled with courtesy and respect. Every purchase is guaranteed. So call him at 302-521-8380. 
again, proceeds are used to fund the PSU AA Chapter Scholarship Fund and the PSU Levi Lamb Fund for athletic scholarships. We also should get a, a fund for uh, Greg to get whatever is going on with his cough there uh, sorted out as well. <laughs> yeah. Greg, are you you're, you're with us here behind the scenes? You're still alive? Yeah, T-Frank, that's called a okay. poor use of the mute button. Yes. <laughs> so get your home opener, West Virginia tickets, your Iowa Whiteout tickets, homecoming, stripe out home games galore, all of them. Go to ticksmanjim.com, or I'll give you it again, 302-521-8380. Um, we've been talking so much at bluewhiteillustrated.com about how well Drew Aller has been doing in camp. I'm going to say this again. Drew Aller has been exceeding expectations. He has been looking excellent in camp. And maybe I shouldn't even say exceeding expectations, maybe just uh, hitting expectations. Last night was not a great night for Drew. Um, it wasn't a great night for many of the quarterbacks. I thought actually Jackson right. Smolik looked the best, you know, kind of Agreed. in that everything that we've heard about him and all the things that we've, yep. again, reported at BlueWayIllustrated.com last week that we, we saw what they were talking about in yep. kind of the behind the scenes stuff. He just, he had a beautiful throw on a deep in route. Um, to Caden Saunders, unfortunately, with the rain, wasn't a great night for the receivers. Lots of drops. Um, that was Drew, the I, that was he did throw the touchdown to Joey Scheffler in yep. the back of the end zone, but or Scheffler, I'm sorry, but to me that was his best throw of the night for sure. T Frank, yeah, he he does a great job, and he has you know going back to high school, looking at his film of being able to read the defense and hit windows down the field. Like this is what I'm talking about when. We talk about some of the issues with certain quarterbacks in, in college is like, I'm going to do the thing that I'm not going to get in trouble for. So the right. safe thing is to check it down or the safe thing is to throw the underneath route, even if it's incorrect, uh, because it's not going to be intercepted. You're not trying yep. to push it into that second or third window or to your right read. Like, honestly, just throwing it to the right read. You're you. He throws with anticipation and, and like all of those are great. If he doesn't know the offense just yet, all of those hallmarks are great. Um, some of the stuff that Drew is doing, obviously, is a little more advanced. He's a little in more in command of the offense. Um, but his accuracy was a little bit off last night, uh, I thought. You know, I thought he rushed stuff. And this is something that I've been concerned about with his footwork and kind of where he is on his journey is when he gets when he gets sped up, the ball can be off. Now, he threw some great throws down the field that were just not caught. Well, that, that was going to be my question some to you, ones T, Frank. That I, I didn't really like. Yeah, that was my going to be my question to you. How many passes do you think were deep passes of the ones he threw last night? Would you say seventy five percent, eighty percent? It felt like almost every time he went back, most of them were going downfield. Given given that he didn't actually throw a whole lot, yeah, maybe it's higher than I think. It, but we're talking about like maybe six passes total out of twelve. So I mean, I don't think he threw the ball twenty times last night, from what I from what I recollect. The problem was that's like, because it was an open practice. I'm convinced it was, yes. <laughs> it was an open practice. Yes. Um, so it's just like the easy things, right? So you've got right. a throw on a screen out into the flat, and the receiver has to jump to grab it. That's not that's not great. That ball needs to nine times right. out of ten, that ball needs to be on target. Now he did better on the second time, um, and and that play worked better. But like it's just. Kind of some of the stuff with Sean Clifford. We, we, if you watched him during the the Packers, oh boy, uh, game. you're gonna really upset I'm some not people. <laughs> I even the going two. there, T Frank. Ah, uh, well, not, you kind of started to. <laughs> I'm saying that something that has been classically a problem with Sean Clifford is the easy stuff isn't always easy. He had a lot of naked bootlegs that he just beefed and threw at the feet of his uh, the Packers right. receivers. So, like, my yep. point is that the the stuff that you should complete 90 percent of the time, you have to complete it 90 percent of the time. Um, that would be the only thing I was concerned about. 
deep targets, like those can be tough. One of them, Khalil Dinkins, didn't get his head around in time. And like the the receiver jammed or the defender jammed him up a little bit and he didn't get to where Drew thought he was going. There was another one that Drew was trying yep. to to loft over the corner and Kalen King got it at the high point. That so play he was, made, that play Kalen King made was probably the play of the night in terms yeah. of the scrimmage. It was I mean, phenomenal. It was. I mean, and that's one of the things to keep in mind, too. You're 100% right, is that they're playing against a very elite defense. And if you didn't see, I, I guess most of you listening or watching this didn't see that play because you probably weren't there, but that was an elite play by Kalen King. I mean, if yep. you were watching that in September, October, November, you'd be out of your chair, whether you're at Beaver Stadium or on your couch yeah. or recliner or whatever it was, going nuts because it was an incredible play. I think what's hard for me, T. Frank, is that I agree with everything you just said. The problem is it's only one practice for us, yep. right? So we only we, see yeah. – we being the, the media, the people that go to the open periods of practice for the interviews, we see 10, 15 minutes – Almost all the throws we see are on air. That was yep. the first scrimmage I think we see first scrimmage we've seen since the blue white game, obviously, earlier this year. But um, you know, I, I don't want to draw too many conclusions, but at the same time, I think that we should revisit this conversation in late September or maybe yeah. even middle September. I don't know, but I think we need to see what Drew Aller does in an actual game setting. And, and maybe that's not enough of a sample size either. Last uh, Saturday night certainly was not. But, yeah, yeah. you know, but you're 100% right. It was a tough night for the offense. There's no question. One, two, three teams. They didn't get much going. There was not, Again, this is an elite defense. James Franklin talked about this at media day, the fact that they are going against one of the best defenses in the country. So it's not crazy to think that the offense would struggle. Uh, yeah. I would, and no disrespect to West Virginia or certainly not Delaware. Um, and some of these other teams are going to play early in the year, but you would think that when they get out there against West Virginia in prime time on September 2nd, T Frank, that yeah. things might go a little bit better than they did going against chop Robinson, Kalen King yeah, and all the guys in that defense. So I, yeah. I'm not ready to call a whole lot of judgment on what we saw on Saturday night at the same yeah. time. Yeah, it was a tough night for the offense. There's no question. So I think some of the consistency things is what maybe jumped jumped out to me. There was yeah. not the, the consistency was an issue because there was none. It was all pretty much three and out, three and out, three and out. Yeah, and and so you you bring up a great point. Just in general, I was doing a little bit of work on on West Virginia um, before the practice yesterday or on Saturday, and. Um, they are a very different defense. So one of the other things we're going to talk about and, and some of the things we have to understand about this conversation too is because they're in third down and because Penn State's defense is what it is and, you know, their, their hyper man coverage, those were tight windows that we're asking in the rain at yeah. night to be able to thread the, the, the ball into. When Penn State's offense had a chance to breathe and there wasn't pressure or tight windows, Liam Clifford was very good. You know, I thought Liam Clifford was, was really good in terms of being able to settle into a zone and find an opening and just catch the ball. And this is yep. something I talked about w with Marcus Hagans and, and how I think he's really taken to Hagans' coaching of like being in position to catch the ball, having your yep. hips square, having your hands out, and then turning up field as soon as possible. He was hard to bring down when he had the, the ball in his hands, but right. the defense rallied so well. So even like a good catch for maybe five or six yards – you know, that's not really doing a whole lot when, for most of the night, the quarterbacks are on right. the run and scrambling. And, and, when we talk and that about defensive sideline was loud, too, T. Frank. 
Yes, they they were letting everybody know about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, they were they were making no mistakes about who was winning that you know any play, any portion of the scrimmage, whatever. That it's a pretty charged up sideline for sure. Yeah, if yeah they the, we that's the sideline uh, we were closest to, and I, I was hearing. Yep. Quite a bit of confidence. Uh, I'll leave out the, the details. Good way. Yeah, good way to put it. Yeah. Said, <laughs> yeah a lot of confidence it, yeah. from that group. <laughs> yeah, um, good way to put it. Yes. So we've talked about the, the quarterback competition, right? And talking about Drew Aller and, and his night. And you can see, I think, at times um, what's going on here. And one of the insights that I saw from yesterday, and this is unfair. I'm just going to say this, just like I preface the whole thing with Aller of like, he's been great during camp. That was not his best night last night. On Saturday night. Definitely on Saturday night. This is totally live uh, on Monday morning. Um, Prabula, from what I saw, and it's so fast, and this is unfair, but it felt like he was turning down some options to just run the football. And that does concern me a little bit because I think he's a good quarterback, and I think ultimately he's a guy that's going to win with his arm. But yeah. if, if that's kind of his natural rhythm of, I don't totally trust it, I'm going to run with it, he had Keandre Lambert Smith open in the flat on one that I thought he could have thrown, but again, it's fast and I'm, you know, 20 yards away. Maybe there was a linebacker underneath that I didn't see that he did, but I just, yeah. the, the, he, I thought struggled more so than the other two quarterbacks in finding his target. If it wasn't a predetermined play, you know, he had a really good throw on a bootleg. I think it was to Trey uh, Potts. Where, it was. Yep. Yeah. He exactly. Fourth down yep. conversion, just yes. like between two defenders. So he can do it. But I do right. think from from that perspective, I was a little concerned. I That's something I will watch later to see if that's something that that kind of is a thread line in his play that maybe he's trusting his legs more than his arm or maybe it's just more so on that side. Um, yeah, so T. Frank, one thing I'll say about that is maybe the dumbest thing ever said on the history of BWI Live. But I doubt it. No one. <laughs> well, I've been on the show a couple times, so you're right. Um, but when you look at the way they blow a play dead when the quarterback runs and someone just taps him on the arm, you know, because it's yeah. obviously you can't hit the quarterback. It's all touch tackle. There's a part of me that wonders if Bo Pabrula was like, well, I'm going to try and stay in here and make a play because if I run up the middle, in a real game, he may have run right by that guy, the defensive yeah. tackle, the linebacker, whatever. But as soon as they tag him off, that's it. That's it. There's yeah. no more running down the field. There were a couple times, and I'm sure you saw too, where he turned around kind of with that look like, come on. Like, I wasn't touched. I wasn't yeah. going to be tackled. But that's the way it works when you're in college and you're not going to hurt your quarterbacks, obviously. So yeah. there was a little part of me that wondered if that, smart way of running practice wasn't impacting yeah. the way he typically plays the game. Yeah. And he ripped off some long runs too. Like right. I, I'm, I'm saying that like, maybe I want him to throw a little more, but when right. he's pressed and he's got to make a play and he runs and he gets 30 yards when the offense is yep. getting nothing. Like I, I don't want it to come off as too critical that like, these are just observations in out of context, truthfully, you know, without and in, right and in real of, time too of, yeah. of camp in real time. And the whole point of yep. us not being able to record anything is I can't go back and watch and see like, okay, that's what I missed. <laughs> right. um, exactly. But things I did not miss. And this is, I, I guess I'm not totally surprised because I don't think the first team went up against the first team early and they got good work in, but we saw primarily the twos. I felt like last uh, on, on Saturday night. So young guys were at the forefront. You mentioned King Mac. I just want to circle back before we end the show because King Mac is the real deal. He I is. love this kid's film. I thought he I, I said he could play 
three or four different positions in the defense, depending on, yep. you know, what down it is and how he develops. And then I got to thinking to myself, like, maybe that's a little bit much for a guy that's 5'9". No, forget that. This dude can hit. He took, you yes. talk about Trey Potts. He took Trey Potts and took him to the sideline. This is sure a did. freshman against a redshirt senior running back, a Big Ten Minnesota running back, and the hit, the hit had an impact from a freshman. So he's got the speed. He's got the violence in him. He's got the instincts. He got a strip sack where I think he hit the quarterback and he wasn't supposed to. So he made a lot of plays. Yeah, it was kind of, again, it was one of those like, oh, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Wasn't me, definitely, coach. <laughs> definitely didn't <laughs> yeah. hit his arm. You know, maybe separate a shoulder, maybe hurt yeah. an elbow. Definitely, definitely didn't touch the quarterback. He most certainly had that look on his face, T. Frank. Where he was like, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. I certainly did not do that. Yes. <laughs> but on um, that play, he was rushing on a on a tackle. Like he's oh, it's five hard. nine. It's hard. Yeah. And, and and he bent the corner on a tackle. Now I think it was a freshman tackle, but like I'm just I'm I was so impressed by him. Other guys, uh, you know, that I thought were good. Tony Rojas, he had a forced fumble that the yep. defense recovered early in practice. Um, I I think he's gonna be a. I think he plays this year. I don't I don't think there's gonna be too much of a no. uh, keeping him on the sideline. I would be I would be surprised if he keeps his red shirt this year. Injury only to me, T Frank. Yeah, really, truly. Uh, and then when you talk about King Mac, he was the guy that I wanted to see in person because obviously with him coming up from Florida and him getting here a little bit later than some of his classmates, we had uh, BDI publisher Sean Fitz and senior writer Nate Bauer. They had talked about a long, you know, for a while now how they were being told that this was a guy that could really do it. But we saw it last night. And we talk about Tony Rojas not burning his ro- uh, red shirt. I would be really surprised if King Mac doesn't burn his as well. Yeah. And that's crazy considering that they have so many safeties already. And uh, and they there's room maybe in the defense for a guy like King Mack. And, and maybe yep. it's more of a Cam Miller role in terms I of think that I, I think you nailed it. I think you hit it right on the games. head. Yep. Yeah, yep. so that's going to be – they've just got so many numbers. I know corner is thin after the top two, but they have talent. They just need to get it up to speed. And seeing yep. how much work those those young corners and safeties got the other night – Got to see Tyrese Mills play football, you know, like yeah. quiet night from him. But I finally got to see him play football after a year Back and a half. Back at safety, so. too. Yeah. Yep. Any, anything uh, before we end the show here with just a couple more minutes? Uh, any any other guys you want to highlight? Any other interesting things that stuck out to you? No, I think that one when we go back to the receiver conversation, we've seen a couple times now during camp that Malik Mega, he dropped down a depth chart last year. He was obviously pretty high up it when the season began in 2022. I feel like he really dropped down it last season. He was doing some special teams work, but it was kind of iffy on the receiver stuff. We've seen him do some nice things so far in preseason camp. So if you want to pick one guy who is maybe under the radar or maybe is not being talked about in that receiver conversation, we talk about Dante Sivas. We talk about all these other guys, and they very well may end up being the second, third, fourth, fifth guy. I think he's one to watch is someone who could surprise us in terms of the number of snaps he gets. They are certainly uh, trying to find something at that receiver position. And as you mentioned, uh, not a lot of passing of the football the other night. Um, James Franklin opening the doors, welcoming everybody in. But I think that on top of the, the script for the other night, also the weather 
Like, nobody wanted to have their cell phone out. Nobody wanted to have anything out trying to record anything they weren't supposed to when it was the <laughs> Yeah, you either were going to have your phone ruined or you were going to not uh, break the rules. It was up to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, overall, I think that was a, a great first opportunity. I was uh, really happy to see all those things. Like I said, we learned quite a bit. We, ha- we all have our impressions over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com that we put up Saturday night. You can go check those out. We have more stuff coming up. Penn State football has open availability tonight, so you're going to hear more from what uh, Greg learns uh, Monday night from the Penn State football program as they uh, talk to the media on Monday, a couple days after their open practice. So make sure you go over there for that. 25% off, by the way, bluewhiteillustrated.com, so that uh, you can get in the inside information and you don't, we can have the conversation back door, uh, you know, behind the scenes and we don't have to be uh, talking around it here on the YouTube show. So, Greg, thank you for giving us your time tonight, today, this morning, definitely this morning. Appreciate it, buddy. Hey, you got it, buddy. Anytime. That'll do it for today on the BWI live show. We'll be back uh, later this week, most likely, uh, to wrap up what we got going on. We'll talk to you then.